time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. I'm so grateful that you have tuned in to listen to the Vintage Truth Podcast today. I count it a great privilege to be able to speak God's Word and to have it travel all over the world. And there are 30 countries that regularly tune in to the Vintage Truth Podcast and obviously primarily here in America, which I'm very grateful for so many of you who have contacted me and, and, and some of you right now that are even supporting this podcast ministry. You know, I'm calling it my team eight, eight dollars a month that you can give towards supporting this podcast ministry. And I unapologetically challenge you to do that because I believe this is a worthy ministry that spreads God's truth in a way like none other. And so if you'd like to encourage me, encourage this ministry, then go to jeffkinley.com, click on that donate tab at the top of the page, and you can help support this ministry. Hey, listen, we're in a the final message of a series I'm calling uh, Big Jesus. And basically the point of this series is to exalt Jesus Christ in your mind through the truth that what is true about him so that you can have a closer and more powerful relationship with him and so that you can enjoy some of the benefits that comes from having this kind of relationship with Christ. We talked about in the first session about how Christ is worthy to be your God. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, you need to go back. It's just 20 minutes long. Listen to that podcast because literally it exalts Jesus to a point where in your mind, he just grows and he doesn't actually grow. But in your mind, your concept of him, your perspective of him enlarges and expands. And you should be doing that all the time through the scripture, through sessions like this, through your own personal Bible study, through the church that you attend. Your God needs to get bigger all the time. And sometimes it's just a simple thing that you can do. You know what I do up here in the Ozark Mountains? I go outside at night and I just sit there. Sometimes my wife and I will sit on the upper deck of our porch and we'll just stare out into the sky. And we'll just talk about how big and how great God is. It's a worshipful experience. That's why God put the stars in the heavens, by the way. It wasn't for decoration. It was for worship. So that our concept of him could grow and grow and grow. So Christ is worthy to be your God. Second, we talked about how he is able to be your Savior. And we went in and I just unpacked that death of Christ for you to understand what really happened on the cross. It's a fascinating study from Scripture. And then last time we talked about how Christ is willing to be our source, our source of peace, our source of joy, our source of hope. And then in this final message in this series, I want to talk about how Jesus is not just worthy, he's not just able, he's not just willing, but he's also coming. Christ is coming to be your deliverer. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is going to come back one day. In fact, Jesus told his disciples that in John chapter 14. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 1, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, I will prepare a place for you and return and receive you unto myself. So Christ has, from the very lips of Jesus Christ, he's promised to come back one day and to take us home. Now, the Bible 
talks about this event that we describe as the rapture. And there are a lot of people today within Christianity that are really kind of, they're dissing the rapture. They're dismissing the rapture. And they are saying things like, well, the rapture is just a made-up concept. It's a recent belief in the church. It's not. It's just an escapism mentality that we have because we're American Christians and we don't like to go through hard times, i.e. the tribulation period, which many of these people also deny is, is going to happen in the world. And it all really stems from your hermeneutic or the way that you approach interpreting the Bible. And if you see the Bible as being interpreted literally and grammatically and historically, if you see it interpreted as it was written in its context, its original context, then you typically end up with a view of the rapture. In my book, Wake the Bride, I have two chapters on the rapture, one called Grounding the Rapture, and I talk about the attacks on the rapture today. And what are some of the objections that people have towards this idea of the rapture? There are many whole denominations that just completely deny that the rapture is going to happen. I talk about where the word rapture comes from. Oh, it's not in the Bible. So we can't believe it. Really? Is that how you base your theology? Well, then let me ask you this question. Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Guess what? You'll never find that word in the Bible. Do you believe in missions? Not in the Bible. Do you believe in the Bible? Did you know that's not in the Bible either? The word Bible, okay? So it's just a a conceptual word that we use to teach a truth that we find in Scripture. But here's the point. The point is that Jesus Christ is coming back. Of that, we we all agree. But we believe that Christ is coming back in this event where he will snatch us up, and the Bible calls it the blessed hope. It is the, of all the hopes we have, it's the blessed hope. And we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we are living, rather, in a season of fulfilled prophecy, of of fulfilled end times prophecy that is unprecedented in the last 2,000 years. And the things that we're seeing, the signs that we're seeing coming together, converging, becoming clearer on the horizon that are clearly taught in Revelation and in Daniel. Those things that we see coming together tell us that we are more eligible for the return of Jesus than at any time in the past 2,000 years. If, If there is a time for you to wake up as a Christian, it's now right now. Don't ignore this exhortation to wake up in your Christian life because Jesus Christ could return at any moment. He said, yeah, what does that mean? What does that even look like? Well, Titus 2.13 says this. It says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus You see, Jesus Christ is going to return. This is what he has promised us, and we have to be ready. Okay, so what does it look like? What what is this rapture? What is this thing that Christ is going to deliver us from? Well, 
tells us in First Thessalonians chapter one that, in, uh, beginning in verse um, verse ten, says that we we have turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. That's what Thessalonians did. It says, and now what do you do now? He says, now you wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So what is this wrath that is coming? Well, if you keep reading Thessalonians, the, the context of this book is that he's talking about the end times. He's talking about the end times. And when you get to chapter 4, he tells you specifically about an end times event that will occur. That we call the rapture. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just talking about predestination. The whole Ephesians 1, 4, in love, he predestined us from the, from the foundation of the world. He's talking about the ultimate salvation of being delivered. from. That's what salvation means, by the way. It means to be delivered from something. We're going to be delivered from the wrath that is coming. What wrath is coming? The tribulation wrath. The wrath of Revelation 6 through 19. You want to find out what that wrath is all about? You should read that apocalyptic, mind-blowing vision that John received. I cover all of that in Wake the Bride. I go through the entire book of Revelation and all the end times events for you. But it says that we are not destined for that wrath. That's why we don't see the church mentioned in Revelation again after chapter 3 after he directly addresses the churches, that the word church just drops off the radar completely during the time that God's wrath is being poured out on planet Earth. And then we see the church returning in Revelation 19, and then we see the church mentioned again at the very end of the book. So, so what is this wrath to come? Well, God is going to unleash his wrath on planet Earth on a rebellious planet. And I don't have time to go into all that happens there, but he unleashes a series of seal, trumpet, and bold judgments that are cataclysmic, that are chaotic, that are devastating, that are destructive, that are earth-shaking. Literally, the earth will shake. And the signs from the sky and demonic tormenting that will happen to the people on planet Earth with the, also the rise of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and all the things that you hear about, they're coming. But I believe that the Bible teaches that we will be delivered prior to that. Just as Noah was delivered from the flood, we'll be delivered as well. So you say, where, where, where does it where does it talk about that? Well, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for just a couple of minutes here. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. You see, that's the problem in the church today. We're not really informing the body of Christ. What we're doing is spoon-feeding them from week to week, getting them over the hump, helping them with their problems, teaching them something about how to get along in your marriage. Fine. That's great. That's incredible. But guess what? There are so many things about what's happening in the world that, that Christians are uninformed. We believe we're living in the last days. 77% of evangelicals believe we are living in the end times as described in the Bible. However, the vast majority of believers are completely uninformed about what that even means. So Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. 
Specifically here he says about those who, who are asleep or who have died in Christ, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. You see, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he, Paul talks about how these false teachers had crept into the church and were telling the believers, hey, you're in the tribulation right now. Look how bad things are with Rome. You're, you're there. Caesar is the Antichrist, et cetera, et cetera. So you're living in, and Paul says, hey, no, 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 you, you, we're not there yet. Because two things have to happen before we enter that time. He says in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, he says, don't be disturbed by this kind of teaching or someone says they have a vision or whatever. He says, don't let anybody deceive you, verse 3, for it, it that's the day of the Lord, the end times, the, the tribulation period, will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed who is the son of destruction. Say, so what is the great apostasy? Well, you need to check out my book, The Coming Apostasy, that Mark Hitchcock and I wrote that talks about the sabotage of Christianity from within that's happening right now in our churches. But he says, so no, you're not in the day of the Lord. So don't be, don't be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus and about the fact that the tribulation period is coming. And he says about those who have fallen asleep back in 1 Thess 4, 13, says, that you may not grieve as do the rest of humanity who have no hope. See, at the graveside of an unbeliever, there is no hope for that person. And there's no hope for the person standing at the grave that they'll ever see that person again. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Zero. But with Christ, <laughs> that's all we have is hope. There's a sure and steadfast hope as we talked about last time. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In other words, if a Christian has died and gone to heaven, you're going to see him again. Well, how do we know that? Well, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain here until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what, what does that mean? Well, he explains it to us. Next verse. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And what Paul's talking about here is this mind-bending miracle, which is really all miracles are mind-bending because they take place outside of the realm of, of our comprehension and our ability. Nothing man can do remotely comes close to the miracles that God can do. And the Bible says that at this event that a miracle will happen. And what's happening is all of the of the, the graves will give up their dead, the ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who are true believers. And those people's bodies will be miraculously and supernaturally recreated from dust, from nothing. God will do that. He'll bring their bodies back, a new body that they'll have. One that is suited for heaven, by the way. And it says they're going to be raised to be reunited with their spirits that have come from heaven so they can have now glorified bodies. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. It says then, so there's a chronology to this, he says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air. So this word caught up is the word that we get our word uh, rapture from. It's the word, Greek word harpazo, which just means to be snatched away. It's the whole idea of Christ in John 14, where he comes back to receive the, the, uh, his disciples to himself of gathering his bride. It's the imagery that we see in the parable of the ten virgins where the bridegroom comes and he snatches up his bride and takes her to the wedding where they consummate the wedding and, and celebrate the wedding. That's what we're talking about here. It's, it means to be snatched away. It's the word used in Acts 8 with, the, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. After he led the eunuch to Christ, it says that he was just disappeared. He snatched away, found himself somewhere else. It's what we see with Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and he says, I was snatched up to the third heaven, meaning heaven. That's what it means. It's the same word that's even used to describe the ascension of Jesus Christ in Revelation 12, 5. Speaking about that event, he uses the word harpazo to be snatched away. Now, you could call this event the harpazo, but that would sound like something you would order at an Italian restaurant, you know. So it didn't really have a catchy. You could call it the great snatching up or the great gathering call it anything you want to the principle is it's going to happen we just happen to call it the rapture because it was translated into latin the latin word rapturo and we, we transliterated that into english and that's how we got the word but it says we're going to be caught up suddenly unexpectedly to meet with them to meet the lord in the air and it says thus we shall always be with the lord you see jesus christ is going to come back and th- this rapture event has no warning signs. It doesn't say in Scripture, and when you see the blood moon, no, 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 not at all. When you see this nation rising up against this nation, this specific event, that's when the rapture, no, doesn't say that either. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. Just like the bride didn't know when the groom was going to show up. So that's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to be walking with Christ. That's why we have to, there's a famous phrase these days where people are talking about being woke. Man, he's woke. Whatever all that means, we need to be woke as the body of Christ. We need to wake up. That's why I wrote the book, Wake the Bride. Why do we we need to wake the bride? Because she's sleeping through all this stuff. She's sleeping through the truth. She's sleeping through the spirit of expectancy that the early church had an outline of the book, just verse after verse after verse after verse, highlighting the spirit of expectancy that the early church had. Man, they wanted Jesus to come back. To why? To deliver them from the wrath to come. And there should be in your heart, as Philippians 3.20 says, that our citizenship is in heaven. There should be a longing for home, a longing for home. And Christ is going to deliver you. And, you know, we may be a part of that rapture generation. I don't know that for sure, but we could be, really could be. That's why verse 18, I love it, verse 18, at the end of this thing, after he says these things, he says, therefore, be panicked. No, I didn't say that. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's a a word that, that means just to give, put your arm around someone, just give them comfort. Yeah, what a great truth. It's like a a warm blanket on a cold day. It's what this truth gives to you and me. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming to be your deliverer. 
And that's one of the things that makes him such an incredibly big Jesus to us because he loves us enough to deliver us from the wrath that is coming. Hey, is your Jesus a big Jesus? I hope so. I hope these messages have encouraged you with that. Hey, I'll see you next time on the Vintage Truth Podcast. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.